sure you do know about William Dalrymple, the famous travel writer and one of the founders of Jaipur Literary Festival, the biggest literary festival in the world. I'm going to talk about one of his books today. The book is called The Age of Kali and it was written quite a quite a while back actually around 23 years ago it was published in 1998 and uh, in this book william dalrymple who is traveling in the indian subcontinent at that time he picks up certain controversial issues certain troubling issues be religious or cultural or socio political and shows us a picture of that and uh, one of the chapters which i am going to read today the chapter is called the city of widows and he is referring to vrindavan which is in uttar pradesh and some of you familiar with the hindu culture you would know that there are a lot of women devotees of lord krishna and often they go to vrindavan which is called as krishna's city and so many of the widows who don't get any help or assistance from their family they go to that place too and they spend their later years there it's really fascinating it's a combination of sometimes poverty sometimes purely religious devotion and uh, how delrimple goes there and explores this and writes about it it's also very interesting so i'm going to read through the pages of this book and here we go vrindavan uttar pradesh 1997 the eye of faith can often see much that is hidden from the vision of the non believer to most secular visitors vrindavan appears to be nothing more than a run down north indian bazaar town its dusty streets clogged with cows beggars bicycles and rickshaws but to the pious pilgrim it is the dwelling place of krishna and thus in that sense at least an earthly paradise fragrant with the scent of tamarind and arjuna trees devout hindus believe that krishna is still present in this temple town with its crumbling palaces and swarming ashrams its open sewers and its stalls selling brightly colored lithographs of the god child listen carefully in vrindavan i was told by an old sadhu on the river bank for if you are attentive you can still catch the distant strains of krishna's flute in the morning said the sadhu the god can sometimes be glimpsed bathing at the ghats while in the evening he is often seen walking with radha along the bank of the jamuna every year hundreds of thousands of hindu devotees 
come to Vrindavan, making their way barefoot to the Jamna along the Parikrama, which links all the town's most holy temples and shrines. Most then head on to another neighboring pilgrimage site, the mountain of Govardhan, which according to legend, Krishna used as an umbrella, lifting it with his little finger. It is now not much more than a hillock, but this does not worry the pilgrims. They know the legend that the more sin proliferates in the world, the more the mountain is diminished. Some who come to Vrindavan, however, never leave the town again. For many Hindus believe that there is nowhere more holy in all India and therefore that there is nowhere better to spend your final days, nowhere better to prepare for death. The pilgrims come from many different castes and communities, from amongst the rich and the poor, from the north and the south, but one group in particular predominates, the widows. You notice them the minute you arrive in Vrindavan, bent-bagged and white-sarried, with their shaven heads and outstretched begging bowls on their foreheads, they wear the turning fork-shaped ash smear that marks them out as disciples of Krishna. Some of them have slipped out of their homes and left their families, feeling themselves becoming an encumbrance. Others have fled vindictive sons and daughters-in-law. Most have simply been thrown out of their houses. For in traditional Hindu society, a woman loses all her status the minute her husband dies. She is forbidden to wear colorful clothes or jewelry or to eat meat. She is forbidden to remarry. And she is forbidden to own property. She may no longer be expected to commit sati or throw herself on her husband's funeral pyre. But in many traditional communities, particularly in the remote villages, she is still expected to shave her head and live like an ascetic, sleeping on the ground, living only to fast and pray for her departed spouse. This practice receives a certain legitimacy in the ancient Hindu tradition that old people who have seen the birth of their grandchildren should disappear off into the forest and spend their last days in prayer, pilgrimage and fasting. In modern India, the custom has largely died out. But in some parts, notably rural Bengal, a form of it has survived that involves simply kicking bereaved grandmothers out of their houses and sending them off to the city of widows. Every day, widows from all over India arrive in Vrindavan. They come to seek the protection of Krishna, to chant mantras and to meditate on their own mortality. They live in great poverty. They have no privacy, no luxuries, no holidays. They simply pray until they keel over and die. There are 8,000 of them at present in the town and every year their number increases. If I were to sit under a tree, said Kamala Ghosh, a local women's rights activist, and tell you the sadness of the widows of Vrindavan, 
the leaves of that tree would fall like tears my husband died when i was 17 years old said kanaklatha he had some sort of stomach disorder i took him to lots of hospitals in calcutta but he did not recover he suffered for a month then he died the old lady looked past me her clouded eyes focused towards the ghats and the course of the holy river jamna i still remember his face when they brought him to me she said he was very fair with fine and sharp features when he was alive his eyes were unusually large but now they were closed he looked as if he was sleeping then he then they took him away he was a landlord in our village and greatly respected but we had no children and when he died his land was usurped by the village strongmen i was left with nothing for 2 years i stayed where i was then i was forced to go to calcutta to work as a maid i wasn't used to working as a servant and every day i cried i asked krishna what have i done to deserve this how can i describe to anyone how great my pain was after 3 years krishna appeared to me in a dream and said that i should come here that was 1955 i have been here 40 years now do you never feel like going back i asked never after my husband died they took away everything i owned i vowed never to look at my village again i will never go back we were standing in the main bazaar of vrindavan rickshaws were rattling past us along the rutted roads past the tethered buffaloes and the clouds of bees swarming outside the sweet shops behind us rose the portico of the shri bhagwan bhajanashram through its door came the sound of bells and clashing cymbals and the constant rising falling eddy of the widows incessant chant hare ram hare krishna hare ram hare krishna occasionally above the chant of 2000 women you could hear snatches of the soaring bengali verses of the lead singer which says whom krishna destroys who can save whom he saves who can destroy it was 10 in the morning and kanaklatha had just finished her 4 hour shift in her hand she held her reward a knotted cloth containing a single cupful of rice and her 2 rupees we try to remember what we are chanting said kanaklatha but mostly we carry on so that we can eat when we fall ill and cannot chant the ashram does not help we just go hungry so that's all i'm going to narrate in this episode and you can see it's such a tragic tale of widows in this ancient culture but we have to keep in mind that this was written around uh, 23 24 years ago and a lot of things have changed but still that's the contradictory nature of india you can still find most 
ancient, most primitive of the traditions and at the same time you'll find most advanced technologies and most progressive ideas. It lives in contradictions. And that's what Dalrymple does in this book. He captures this contradiction, this corruption, this violence, this integration and disintegration of a society and sometimes which is pious, sometimes purely evil. But that's what it is. And whichever way you look at it, it definitely makes a fascinating story.